Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Corporations continue their assault on Georgia after the state's passage of a new voter integrity law. So how do we fight back against Woke Inc.? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. There were reasons to try to figure out a better way, a more accessible way, and a more secure way for us to hold elections. And there is nothing wrong with that. We shouldn't apologize for wanting to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton, back from COVID. Good to see you all, and let's get right into it. Here's what's happening. There's a lot of misinformation out there about a voter integrity law, SB 202 in the state of Georgia. That improper, incorrect information has come from the very top of the federal government of the Biden administration, from Joe Biden himself, in fact. And now the Major League Baseball All-Star Game set for this summer is being moved. These are corporations that are taking action in the realm of politics based upon either incomplete or really incorrect information that's out there right now as part of a narrative. None other than uh, former President Trump, the 45th president, of course, he came out with a statement about this. Baseball's already losing tremendous numbers of fans, and now they leave Atlanta with their all-star game because they're afraid of the radical left Democrats who do not want voter ID, which they desperately needed to have anything to do with our elections. Boycott baseball and all the woke companies that are interfering with free and fair elections. Are you listening? Coke, Delta, and all. And this is getting a lot of attention because, one, of course, it's Trump and he doesn't put out that many pronouncements, but also conservatives tend to not want to boycott. Our political culture is opposed to this as a general rule. It's not something that we think we should be doing. We'd rather have some respect for political space and political exchange without making everything political and taking action as a result of it. But here are all companies, Microsoft, Citi, Delta, Major League Baseball, Coca-Cola, that have spoken out and taken uh, taken action, at least in the case of Major League Baseball, uh, as a result of SB202 in Georgia. So they're making this political. They have weighed in very clearly, and they've decided that they're taking the side of the Democrat left who are running around with a lie that this is Jim Crow 2.0. That's a quote, in fact, 
from Democrats like Joe Biden. Joe Biden said this is Jim Crow on steroids. And they keep referring to this as uh, a restrictive voting, uh, voting bill. But the truth is that everything, including things like voter ID for absentee ballots that's contained in this, is completely legal and within the realm of what other states are doing. And it's meant to make sure that there's no fraud and that there's clarity. This is a good law, all things considered, but they've lied about it a lot. And they've decided that they've taken a side on this one. It's now a moral crusade, you see. It doesn't even matter what the bill really says. Democrats have decided it's evil and it's racist. And then all the companies that support the Democrats jump in and this is how it goes. Oh, and former President Obama also weighed in with a tweet. Congratulations to Major League Baseball for taking a stand on behalf of voting rights for all citizens. There's no better way for America's pastime to honor the great Hank Aaron, who always led by example. Obama weighing in here and, of course, very much on the side of the woke companies. You know, Obama is somebody who, with a single tweet, with a single statement, can create an issue that the whole woke apparatus, woke Inc., will mobilize behind. So that's something that we're seeing here. And now we have to talk about what's true and what's not. Because that's a big part of all of this. Uh, So much of this is based upon stories like you can't get water to people in line voting in Georgia now. That's not true. They don't want people handing food and drinks to those who are in line about to vote because they don't want electioneering going on and people giving inducements or giving goodies to folks to get them to vote one way or the other. You can be 150 feet from the polling place and serve whatever free food you feel like. The polling place itself can set up self-serve water stations. So no, in fact, people are not going to die of thirst or starvation in line to vote. They're going to be fine. This was absurd. It's a manufactured controversy, but it's one that's already been taken uh, to the mat by the Democrats. I mean, that's why they're removing the all-star game from, uh, from the state of Georgia. And this is going to cost businesses there about $100 million. So they're actually punishing a whole lot of people who have nothing to do with any of this. These are businesses that in many cases have set up their, their reopen models with the idea that they'll be able to make more money then. Their hotels and restaurants and merchandise stores and all these different components around around the all-star game which i think the all-star game is boring i would never watch it in a million years but that's not the point i'm not the audience uh all of that is lost now so that major league baseball can be woke so that they can take a statement here based upon lies when it comes to this voting rights bill uh well biden of course supports all this so mr president what do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their all-star game out of atlanta because of this political issue? I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Look at what's happened across the board. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these, in these various sports. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. Jim Crow on steroids. A a completely disgraceful and moronic statement from Joe Biden. 
let's be very clear about this, anybody who has even a passing familiarity with the Jim Crow laws named for a, a, uh, a performer, uh, a minstrel performer after the Civil War, and then continue to be used to prevent African Americans from having their actual voting rights, segregated water fountains, segregated buses, segregated schools, all of this, Jim Crow laws. This is similar to, to that? It's stunning to see what Joe Biden is willing to say. It's a horrible thing, but this is the political nature of the Democrat Party on display. Uh, this is the way that it goes with them. They don't care if it's untrue. They don't care what's really being said here or what's really happening here. Jen Psaki, when asked about, for example, all these woke companies and all the, the wokeness at the top of the United States government, as evidenced by Joe Biden himself, they got a stance on China, which is running actual concentration camps for Uyghurs in the west of the country. Never mind all the other human rights abuses we could talk about from the Chinese Communist Party. Are these companies uh, going to stop doing business there? Should the government encourage them to stop doing business with China? Here's what the White House press secretary said. The president have voiced his support for MLB making a decision about the All-Star Game in Georgia. Um, I'm wondering, when can we expect a final determination from the president about the United States participating in the Beijing Olympics, given that he said the Chinese president doesn't have a democratic bone in his body? Well, I think the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, would play a big role in... Uh, in in on Major League Baseball here in the United States. He actually didn't, I, I think, I don't know if you heard the, the answer, the question, the answer that happened a few minutes ago where we addressed this and I answered the question. So, uh, and I give a little more context, but maybe you weren't paying attention to that part. Yeah, because I'm sure she gave a really important answer. Uh, we heard what Joe Biden said. It's Jim Crow on steroids. A, a horrifically defamatory, stupid thing to say, but that's what he went with. That's this administration, folks. All right, the U.S. Border Patrol is now predicting as many as a million migrants may attempt to cross America's southern border this year. But don't call it a crisis. Florida congressional candidate Corey Mills gives us his take when we come back. I guess I should be flattered. People are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening. That I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That, you know, that's why they're coming, because no, Biden's a good guy. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. It happens every single solitary year. President Biden last week telling Americans that the situation at the southern border has not changed, but the numbers certainly tell a different story. The influx of migrants crossing the border reached a 15-year high, and in March alone, CBP is expecting to see more than 171,000 crossings, a 418% increase from this time last year. The surge in migrants crossing the border has opened the door for drug smugglers and cartel members to sneak contraband into the country of all kinds. Here's former acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf on that. What we know is that the cartels and the smugglers and the traffickers are very sophisticated and they listen to public pronouncements and they know our policies and procedures. So how is the Biden administration planning on fighting the drug crisis at our border? Well, let's bring in former DOD advisor and congressional candidate for Florida's 7th District, Corey Mills. Corey, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. You know, while we're talking these days a lot about the border crisis in the context of illegal immigration and the abuse of loopholes and the overflowing facilities that we have down there, all those issues of, of human migration, uh, there's also a record amount of drugs that have been coming in recently, especially methamphetamine. 
What can you tell us about what we're seeing here and, and how this is yet another challenge of having an overstretched and largely open border? Well, Buck, let me just go ahead and tell you, you know, as a, as a son who grew up in a family that was destroyed by uh, drug use and drug addiction, both my mother and father uh, served time in prison for drug abuse. Uh, I was raised by my grandparents uh, there in Central Florida. You know, I know for well what happens whenever you have a family that's basically riddled with all these issues. Now you have an open border policy, regardless of what Secretary Mayorkas tries to claim, where the border is closed, the border is secured. The reality is that it's not. The data points that you mentioned, the increase in, in, in migrants that are continuing to surge across, and this isn't because Joe Biden is a good or a decent guy. This is because we need to face the facts that the Democrats are wanting an open border to allow hundreds of thousands, if not one million, for the end of the year of migrants to come in, where they'll try and go ahead and abolish and eliminate the filibuster, push a bill for an expedited pathway to citizenship, or try to go ahead and make it where ID requirements are not needed so they can go ahead and buy their voter base. That's what this is really about. They don't care about the human trafficking element about this. You talk to CBP officials and they'll tell you very clearly, they have children in the ages of nine to 10 years old who come across with coyotes and they have to give plan B pills because they're actually being raped before they come over as a source of payment. You have methamphetamines that's coming across at a record level You've got opioid addiction running across the country, which is exactly what the Democrats want to numb their minds. And then let's look at the other America last agenda points. They paid $87 million to 1,200 migrant families for six months of hotel fees, but our U.S. National Guard service members slept in the dead of winter in a parking garage while they protected the U.S. Capitol. Look, I'm tired of this America last agenda and all the excuses, you know, where's AOC with her photo ops? Where are the actual senators and, and congressional members going down there and actually seeing this for themselves. They're not. It's only the Republicans and great congressmen like Brian Babbitt who are down there shedding light on the seriousness of this issue. Corey, you mentioned what's going on with particularly the unaccompanied uh, minors, children being smuggled across the border. Here's the director of Texas Department of Public Safety on that. Mexican cartels is enemy number one. And throughout Texas the nation, they, these corridors, they bring cocaine, methamphetamine, marijuana, uh, fentanyl, any particular drug that's marketable, the cartels have it. It's a commodity to them. They don't care. They'll throw a two-year, two, a six-month-old baby into the water. They just don't care. I mean, they will stash, they will starve, they'll beat, they'll rape, and they'll abandon these children. There's also a video that circulated recently of a three-year-old and a five-year-old being dropped from the border walls. You can see here, Corey, I think this got a lot of people's attention because they're being dropped. I've, I've been to those border walls and they, they are quite a ways up there to just be dropping a three-year-old kid down and to be left out there by themselves. The Biden administration keeps saying, well, this just happens, that this is the same as it is before. Meanwhile, the numbers show that this is at an all-time high when it comes to unaccompanied minors, no question. What should be done here, Corey? What should be the approach of the administration, given the crisis that we are quite clearly seeing unfold? Well, let me be the first to say as a father, you know, I have a six-year-old and a 16-year-old, and I can tell you right now that seeing this video is, is exceptionally disturbing. If you as a parent or just as a human in general don't have your heart pulse whenever you watch this, then, you know, you really have to kind of check what's inside. Uh, you know, when I was studying medicine, for example, I can remember they would tell you that if a child was dropped or a person had dropped at three times their height, that's enough for critical management to send them in to be looked at. So you're talking about 14-foot high walls and three-year-olds being dropped. Look, 
going back to the cartels and how this is being used, we are seeing human passports. That's what these children are becoming. They're becoming human passports. They're using them, they're abusing them, and then when they get into the country, they're spreading their drugs. And again, as a military veteran who served with the Joint Special Operations Command, these are probing exercises. They're sending over droves of people to find out a, tech, a tactic, a technique, and a procedure that actually works. And the Biden administration wants to talk about an upcoming $2.25 trillion infrastructure bill. Isn't a wall part of infrastructure? Why aren't we going ahead and completing the wall? Why aren't we looking at the fact that walls work? Because the Democrats say walls don't work, they don't stop anyone. But yet when they wanted to protect the U.S. Capitol, what was the first thing they did, Buck? They built a wall. They put security around it. So again, hypocrisy doesn't end. The Biden administration wants this surge. They want to go ahead and get future voters for Democratic base. And America last agenda is exactly what they're focused on. The White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki addressed this issue. I want to let you respond to her claims about the video that we just showed. Play it. There's video now of a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I've, I've seen the video, and I think any of us who saw the video um, were incredibly alarmed by uh, the steps of smugglers, ones that we have been quite familiar with, that we've spoken out about our concerns about. As Secretary Mayorkas said, the inhumane way smugglers abuse children while profiting off parents' desperation is criminal and morally reprehensible. The president certainly agrees with that. Corey, I just want to know, what is the Biden administration doing to stop this? Well, maybe I should like the White House press secretary and to circle back to you on that answer, Buck. Um, Look, the bottom line is, is that Biden needs to realize that you can't manage foreign policy from your basement. They have to get down there. They have to address the issue. They have to actually do more than just give a mouthpiece rhetoric on, oh, it's disturbing. Oh, it's inhumane. Well, if it's inhumane, then why aren't we doing anything about it? Again, these are the do-nothing policies that we saw under the Obama 1.0. Now we're seeing it under the Obama 2.0 model. You're seeing where we're loosening our ways on adversaries. But here's what they're not saying, Buck. They're not telling you that a lot of these people who are crossing are on terrorist watch lists. They're not telling you that 11 Chinese migrants came across just last month. They're not telling you about the Pakistani and the Iranians that were coming across the borders. They're sitting here saying, oh, well, this is really inhumane and Secretary Mayorkas is going to focus on it. Okay, well, then why aren't you doing something about it rather than just talking about it? Why is it that you're worried about driving up tax hikes and penalizing conservatives through social media and all these other focuses where they abuse the conservatives? But yet they're not actually going to the border. They say Kamala Harris is going to go down there and handle this. Is this the same Kamala Harris who compared ICE to the KKK? Is this the same one who said, not yet, I'm not going down there and started laughing? We got President Trump who's going down to the border. So we're seeing, you know, just to see what's going on. We got conservative GOP members who are going down and actually videoing this. We're trying to be censored from doing so. Where's the Democratic Party in this book? Where's the president in taking action? I'm wondering. I think we're all wondering if you're being honest about this one. Corey Mills, good to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. Bob, thank you for having me. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has probably been one of the most effective governors in the U.S. in fighting the coronavirus pandemic. That's probably why 60 Minutes decided to run a dishonest hit piece against him last night. After the break, we'll play you some of the audio they didn't use in their hatchet job. You're going to want to see this. Stay with us. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has arguably been the most effective governor during the coronavirus pandemic. Under his leadership, his state's performance in terms of cases and deaths has been on par with, if not better, than many other states around the nation, all while he protected freedoms and rejected useless public health mandates. That's probably why the left hates him so much. Uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, media outlets have worked overtime manufacturing scandals in order to damage DeSantis. The latest comes courtesy of 60 Minutes, who last night aired a story in which it implied the governor chose grocery store and pharmacy chain Publix to distribute the COVID-19 vaccine because they donated $100,000 to his political pack. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in so Palm Beach. So first of Beach. all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to that, play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor, I met with the administrator, I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. The yes. criticism is that it's pay to play, it's Governor. Wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative. And you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. Well, I- DeSantis is right. The claim was totally bogus and they don't care about the facts, but we'll explain them to you in tonight's Buck Brief. So here's the basic allegation. Governor Ron DeSantis in Palm Beach County gave the right to distribute the vaccine to Publix. It's pay to play because Publix grocery store and pharmacy chain donated $100,000 to his PAC. That's that's the story they think they found. There are a lot of problems with that. 60 Minutes, when it did a piece on this, didn't tell you in the actual exchange we just showed you what the reasoning was because DeSantis lines it up and just eviscerates this lie. Here's the part that they pulled out of his explanation. Play it. First of all, when we did the the first pharmacies that had it were CVS and Walgreens, and they had a long-term care mission. So they were going to the long-term care facilities. They got vaccine in the middle of December. They started going to the long-term care facilities the third week of December to do LTCs. So that was their mission. That was very important, and we trusted them to do that. As we got into January, we wanted to expand the distribution points. So, yes, you had the counties. You had some drive-through sites. You had hospitals that were doing a lot. 
but we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're gonna to use you as soon as you're done with that. For the Publix, they were the first one to raise their hand, say they were ready to go. See that? It's very clear. This is all true, by the way. This has all actually been since this uh, exchange fact-checked and verified. And yes, they're claiming that DeSantis gave the right to distribute the vaccine to Publix. It had already gone to CVS and Walgreens in Florida for seniors, which is the most important mission. We're all very clear on that, right? Because we've seen what the numbers are when it comes to COVID fatalities. They were given the essential urgent mission of getting it out there. There were hospitals involved. There were drive-through sites. And then they also gave it to Publix to try to just get more vaccine out there to more people. Needles in arms saving lives. That was the approach. Pay to play? Nobody who knows anything about what actually happened in the state of Florida with the vaccination program believes this or, or even accepts that this is a narrative that anybody should be saying out loud without being embarrassed by it. Here's the Democratic mayor of Palm Beach County who weighed in today to say this. I watched the 60-minute segment on Palm Beach County last night and feel compelled to issue this statement. The reporting was not just based on bad information. It was intentionally false. I know this because I offered to provide my insight into Palm Beach County's vaccination efforts and 60 Minutes declined. 60 Minutes should be ashamed. So here's somebody who would know exactly what happened in Palm Beach County, specifically the mayor of Palm Beach County. And he's saying that when he offered to tell 60 Minutes what happened, they're like, no, we're just going to go with this anyway. They intentionally misrepresented the situation because what's really the point of the 60 Minutes piece? Is it to tell people about corruption in the vaccination program? No, it's to attack a, a target of the left to do what the Democrats need right now, which is to smear, to malign Ron DeSantis because he's come out of this pandemic looking like the most capable governor in America. That's what's actually happened right now. And in case you're wondering if this is even more of a bipartisan issue, this is a Democrat mayor in Palm Beach County, by the way. Here's the Democrat director of Florida's Division of Emergency Management, Jared Moskowitz, telling everybody, I said this before and I'll say it again. Publix was recommended by the Florida Division of Emergency Management and the Florida Health Department as the other pharmacies were not ready to start, period. Full stop. No one from the governor's office suggested Publix. It's just absolute malarkey. But of course, that's what 60 Minutes was pushing there. Absolute malarkey. And this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This isn't like a one-off. The mainstream media has been doing everything in its power to find some way to undermine what DeSantis has accomplished here. They're doing everything they can to make it seem like the one person who should be taking a bow for his leadership during this pandemic should actually be hanging his head in shame. Even Publix waited on this one. Now, this is not surprising, but the irresponsible suggestion that there was a connection between campaign contributions made to Governor DeSantis and our willingness to join other pharmacies in support of the state's vaccine distribution efforts is absolutely false and offensive. Folks, 60 Minutes just had a hit piece to do. They did it because they're a propaganda machine for the Democrat Party and the left, and that was all it was about. That was it. Didn't matter the facts didn't support this. Didn't matter that this is going to make them look like a bunch of laughable buffoons, as it has. They took their shot. They tried to dirty up, tried to muddy up DeSantis a little bit as the governor of Florida. And fortunately, this time, they were so inept in it 
that it has backfired quite a bit. But just remember, this is what the, this is 60 Minutes supposed to be one of the most revered journalistic outfits around. This is what they're willing to do, to light their credibility on fire, to take a cheap shot at the governor of Florida. Don't ever forget it. Less than a year after Portland slashed millions from its police department's budget, officers in the city are abandoning the force in record numbers. No surprise there. Former NYPD officer John Cardillo and conservative commentator, he joins us next to talk about this. Since last year, Portland, Oregon has been the epicenter of the country's most destructive protests and the defund the police movement. And now the city's police officers are leaving in droves. According to a new report from the Oregonian, more than 100 cops have turned in their badges or retired since July of last year. And many were brutally honest about their reasons for getting out. One cop said, quote, everyone is overwhelmed, overworked, and burned out. Another said, the community shows zero support. The city council are raging idiots in addition to being stupid. Additionally, the mayor and council ignore actual facts on crime and policing in favor of radical leftists and anarchist fantasy. This is the department's biggest wave of departures in recent memory. We'll hear to weigh in on this and also just law enforcement issues across the country right now. Former member of the NYPD and conservative commentator TV host John Cardillo. Mr. Cardillo, good to see you. Hey, Buck. Always good to be with you. You know, last year, Portland city leaders slashed $16 million from the police budget, including the elimination of a gun violence reduction unit. I mean, we both know that it's not surprising that cops are leaving. What I want to know is, what does it take for the woke left mayor and city council in a city like Portland? There are other cities where we could talk about this, too. We, we will in a moment. What does it take for them to realize this is not a good idea, John? You know, Portland's an odd animal here, Buck. I mean, because it, like you say, it's been going on for the better part of a year, right? The viewers should remember that, I think it was right around this time last year, maybe a little earlier, the Washington County Sheriff, Washington County, is one of the counties that that uh, encompass downtown Portland. He decided to pull his deputies out of the city. The only reason Washington County deputies, and I believe that stands today, can go into Portland is to save a life. So they can't supplement, they can't enhance patrol, they can't back up Portland PD because he has no confidence that the Portland politician, city council, Mayor Ted Wheeler, will back up his offices or even allow Portland PD to help protect his men and women. I don't know what it's going to take in Portland because it seems like they're burning the same courthouse down every night. Was it last night or the night before they set fire to the Portland uh, Police Bureau, they call it there, their union hall. It seems like Antifa's burning something down nightly in Portland, and the mayor goes out there and apologizes to Antifa. But interestingly enough, when they got too close to his own home, well, then he wanted an army of police officers to respond in real time, didn't he? And, you know, John, this also comes at a time when people are beginning, I think, to figure out just how badly violence spiked last year overall. And it really started right around May, June of 2020, All of a sudden, there was this uptick, and it continued such that right now it's believed, based on the preliminary numbers, that the murder rate in the United States last year in U.S. cities may be the highest it has been since 1995. I mean, you and I know, John, when you start talking about murder rates in American cities in the 90s, that that is not something that people want to be going back to in any way, shape, or form. And yet there doesn't seem to be a recognition of 
How do, how did we get there? Why would that happen in a pandemic year? What political movement may have pushed for the undermining and defunding of police? I don't know. You know, Buck, this is a, I hate to say the word, but this is an easy one to analyze, right? Because I was there. I, I came onto the NYPD in 1993 and I talk often to Bernie Carrick, the former New York City police commissioner, a good friend of mine. He's a partner of mine on a couple of media projects. And I, and I speak to Rudy Giuliani. Now let's forget what anybody thinks of Rudy Giuliani and, and the 2020 election, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. Indisputably, Rudy Giuliani was one of the most successful mayors in American history. And I would say the most, far and away, the most successful mayor with regards to crime and policing and reducing crime. Late 80s, early 90s, crime is off the charts. Rudy Giuliani implements the broken windows policing strategy, which is a bit involved, but in a nutshell, if I lock you up for something minor, breaking into a vehicle, jumping a subway turnstile, more often than not, I find out you have warrants for more serious crimes, burglaries, rapes, robberies, even in some cases, murder. That happened with uh, subway turnstile jumpers. And when you do that, and at the same time, you incentivize, you fund areas that were previously high crime areas that were run down to spruce up. City infuses a little money to paint over the graffiti or clean it up to fix the literal broken windows while they're taking those low-level bad guys and those quality-of-life crimes off the street, morale rises. The residents start calling 911. They cooperate with police identifying bad guys because they had the cover in New York City of a strong mayor and a strong police department. The people knew that if they cooperated, the thugs weren't going to be able to come and kill them in their sleep. We've abandoned that. The Democrats in this country, and I'm going to say it, Buck, they are pro-criminal. They care more about the criminals than the victims, and they damn sure care far more about the criminals than the police. And Democratic leadership, if you look at the cities where murders are off the charts, New York, Baltimore, Detroit, St. Louis, Chicago, all institutionally Democrat-run cities. John, we had a couple of, of uh, shooting or, or violent incidents, I should say, recently, where it seemed like the media was initially taking us in entirely the wrong direction for very political reasons. We had the shooting in Boulder, the terrible shooting in Boulder, Colorado, inside a grocery store, where we were initially told that it was a, a, a white male and probably a Trump supporter. Then we found out it was an Islamist named Al Issa who did the shooting. Yeah. And now I haven't seen a single news story today, John, and I'll, I, I, you, you and I are reading the news all the time. I work in this for a living. I haven't seen a single news story about that shooting. And then just on Friday, we had uh, the Capitol, uh, at Capitol Hill, there was a police officer who was killed. Here's Capitol Officer William Evans was killed during the Friday attack. Here he is. That's me putting him up on the screen. I bet, John, that's the first time Many people watching this have even seen this photo anywhere. And it seems yeah, like it's, it's because, it's, it's, the, in this case, the attacker, I, I, I don't know if we're going to say he's a domestic terrorist or what his ideology is, but this guy is a Farrakhan-supporting uh, Farrakhan extremist who is African-American, I think unlikely to be a Trump supporter, certainly was not wearing a MAGA hat. And, John, we, we don't hear very much about it anymore. What's going on? No. We don't, right? So the guy's name was we used to be, now we know, Noah X. Green. He's a supporter of the Nation of Islam. But in January, he filed the paperwork to legally change his name to Noah Muhammad. So he was taking on a more Muslim name. Now, look, Buck, you're right. We don't know if it was terrorism, if it was domestic terrorism, if it was ISIS-inspired or something of that nature, or wasn't at all. 
But let me flip this for a moment and ask you a question, my friend. You were CIA, I was NYPD, then you were NYPD Intel. I think if the two of us, two of us, were lead investigators on this case, I know I wouldn't be in 72 hours willing to dismiss the terror angle without further investigation. Would you be? No, I mean, like I the guy... The guy went at, at police, murdered a police officer on Capitol Hill, had a, had a knife, clearly thought he was going to engage in a broader uh, yep. attack than he even did. And he, he sought out a political, the, in a sense, the, the cradle of our democracy, right? I mean, Capitol Hill, there seems to be political motive there. Now, is he just deeply mentally, uh, this individual has been shot and killed from the incident, but was he deeply mentally ill? Certainly possible. I mean, we have to look at it. But it's already been discounted, John, because it doesn't it doesn't right. serve the media's preferred narrative, which is that white supremacist Trump supporters are waiting behind every corner, under every bed, in every closet, waiting to jump out and destroy the country at any moment. It's not really that way, actually. It's, uh, that's not that's not a fair assessment of the threat, the threat profile in the country. No, it's, it's really not. And all of the angles should be thoroughly examined here. I want to just add one thing, Buck. I, I know you know this, but I want the viewers to know this. The death of Capitol Police Officer Evan really underscores, really highlights just how dangerous every aspect of policing is. If you had asked a Capitol Police officer the safest detail they could be on, they'd probably say standing behind the barrier outside. And I think most people would be shocked to know, you know, when we hear about police officers killed in the line of duty, we think of being shot and sometimes stabbed. I think people would be shocked to know how many are intentionally targeted and killed yearly with vehicles. And if the viewers don't know, odmp.org, that's the Officer Down Memorial page. Go there and look at each year. It'll show you the faces, the names, and the stories of the police officers' careers and how they're killed. It really humanizes these things we report on in the abstract. Officer Evans didn't think this was going to happen, but because he was specifically targeted, and like you say, uh, Green or Muhammad, whatever his last name really is these days, had that knife. You're right, Buck. He was ready to engage. The mainstream media has disgracefully thrown the potential terrorism narrative out, and they're running. Incredulously, they're running with former college football star with a traumatic brain injury. That's essentially the narrative being spread by the mainstream that's, media. That's Quite, quite an analytic leap at this point, I think, John, but we'll continue to look at yep. stories like this and others with uh, a more discerning eye and less politicization. <laughs> Thanks so much, buddy. Good to see you. Always good to see you, Buck. Thanks. Hunter Biden tells all and goes into a little more detail than we probably needed. That story coming up next in Quick Hits. Hunter Biden reveals the shocking extent of his drug issues and a church uh, service was shut down by the police in the UK on Good Friday. Those stories are in quick hits, which is right now. Let's get to it. We all know Hunter Biden's got problems. No question about that. Drug abuse, very serious issue, requires uh, compassion and, and uh, people looking at it as something that, you know, we all, we all want to help our loved ones who have it. But Hunter Biden, is also stepping into the public eye here once again to push a book that he's written to help him make millions of dollars more for being somebody who really just has sold influence to the Biden name and to his dad over the years. I think that much is quite clear. And he told everyone something that was, um, well, here you go. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I spent more time 
on my hands and knees, picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that re even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone, <laughs> anyone that you know, I'm sure, Tracy. <laughs> now, um, that's the guy that, if you recall, Burisma was paying up to $80,000 a month to be on their board. That guy for an international uh, oil company that, or a large oil company overseas, I should say, uh, almost 80 grand a month, 50 to 80 grand a month because of his uh, expertise in the industry, we're told. That's what they said. Not because his dad was the vice president at the time in charge of foreign policy in Ukraine, of course not. Uh, the most annoying people in America are probably uh, bike lane enthusiasts, but, but more annoying than them, maybe, are mask shamers. And here's Spirit Airlines, which doesn't have a great reputation to begin with, kicking a family that had a special needs child and a two-year-old off a flight because the two-year-old was not masked up. What, did I what, do? what do we do? I'm sorry. I'm not too okay, no problem. Just tell me what we did. Non-compliance with the mask. We're wearing oh, a mask. We're wearing a mask. She's not wearing it. The baby? I'm wearing a I mask. Put, oh, a lot of baby in here now. We keep putting it on. Yeah. We're wearing a mask. A lot of kids wear Next to me. Was I wearing a mask? She was wearing it the whole time. She's just turned two a month ago. I understand. It's five and up. I out of the aircraft, I will have to decline the aircraft and call the police. Keep your mask on. Keep it. What do I do? Okay, I'm going to call the police. Have them. No problem. No problem. I've got my lawyer on the case. I'm going to call the police and have them remove you from this flight. The uh, stewardess says, okay, let's be very because this was unfair. Uh, but the petty tyrants who are the mask-obsessed lunatics, right? They've seen a little too, uh, a few too many of these Fauci interviews. Uh, they need to be put in their place and held to account for acting like such uh, maniacs all the time about masking. I mean, that's a two-year-old kid, all right? And the two-year-old's not masking up enough, so you're gonna kick the whole family off a flight? Can you imagine being that much of a jerk? But this happens, it keeps happening. But I'm very pleased to see that some of the other passengers are willing to say, what are you doing? They're not, they're not actually causing any problem here. You're, you, Spirit Airlines, are the problem. Speaking of the problem, this was in London on Good Friday. This is what uh, tyranny in the age of COVID looks like. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, gathering is unfortunately lawful, unlawful under the coronavirus regulations we have currently. You are not allowed to meet inside with this many people under law. At this moment in time, you need to go home, failure to comply with this direction to leave and go to your home address ultimately could lead you to be fined £200 or if you fail to give your details to you being arrested. Fined £200 or arrested if you want to tell them who you are for the crime of gathering in a church on Good Friday. This is what Fauciism leads to. This is what the lockdown mentality does to people. Uh, any, anything, anything that the state says you have to do, right? No matter how dumb, no matter how worthless, no matter how it does it to actually balance our freedoms with our desire to be safe. And then finally, mascots get people into trouble these days, right? You can't have a mascot that's a Native American tribe, for example, that'll get you in trouble. You can't have a mascot that, hey, there's a whole, a whole slew of things. In Portland, there's a high school 
that has delayed a vote uh, change to, to its mascot to an evergreen tree. They figured, we can't offend anybody with an evergreen tree mascot, right? Well, no, they're worried about it because the Board of Education director says, I'm wondering if there was any concern with the imagery with everyone has blind spots. I think it might have been a really big blind spot because of concern that it might. Uh, the evergreen tree mascot may raise in people's minds a connection to lynching. That's what they were worried about. People have lost their minds. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.